Welcome to the inaugural episode of our brand new podcast, Married with Books. I'm Blake. And I'm Shelby. This month, my wife and I will be discussing the young adult novel Dread Nation by Justina Ireland. This episode will be full of spoilers, so if you have not read Dread Nation yet and don't want to be spoiled, we will warn you in a few minutes before we begin our discussion. But first, Blake, tell me what book you're reading. Uh, I actually just finished This Body is Not Big Enough for the Two of Us by Edgar Quintero. Uh, Earlier this year, we read Meddling Kids, which we were both big fans of, and he released this um, noir fiction book that is about this detective who has two people living in one body. Um, They were born as chimeric twins, but instead of them, there being two bodies joined together, it's two personalities in one body. Um, And, like, if you were to test their DNA, there'd be two sets of DNA. Um, And it's this mystery about uh, this gang leader's son is killed, and the police are trying to, like, they've had an undercover agent who's trying to, like, bust the gang up. And then there's this whole thing about more people getting killed. And it takes old detective tropes and turns them on their head. And it's a really fun read. Um, It is uh, full of mature content. So right now we're doing YA books. I wouldn't recommend this for anyone under the age of 17. But it's a really good read. Uh, And speaking from experience, having seen this book, I love the covers of Edgar Cantero's books. They are just, like, beautiful. Yeah, he... I don't know the artists if it they do the same for each book, but Meddling Kids and Edgar Quintero, they both use green and like dark really colors. Bright, vibrant colors, but in like a, a I don't know, a darker scale. Yeah. It's really unique. It's I'd love to get some to put on our walls. Um but what are you reading, Shelby? I actually just finished a book that was a reread for me, which is Still Alice by Lisa Genova. Um, this is not a new book. Uh, I did read it, I think, in 2015, but I'm leading a book discussion on it for my job uh, later this week, and I absolutely love this book. For those of you who don't know, it's about a woman who is a Harvard professor, um, and she is diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's disease, and what I think is really unique about this book is that it's told from her perspective, so as her disease progresses, she she doesn't know what's going on, but you can kind of glean from the situation what is actually happening, but it's really interesting to see the juxtaposition between what is actually happening and what she thinks is going on. Um, And I just highly recommend this book. If you haven't read it, it's a super quick read. It's under 300 pages. Yeah, you pounded through it this weekend. Yeah, I don't think you'll regret it. I read it, yeah, a couple years ago and loved it, and I loved it just as much, maybe more, than this time around. It's great. Please read it. Awesome. So, that brings us to the next portion of the podcast. For those of you who don't want to be spoiled, this is your warning. Um, so Shelby, why don't you give us a breakdown of what Dread Nation is about? Um, Dread Nation is about, um, it takes place in an alternate version of the United States after the Civil War. Um, but instead of fighting for the end of slavery, the dead begin to rise in the middle of the war and create a much greater problem. Um, war on slavery gets kind of set aside, but racism is still very much alive and well. And this is very apparent throughout the novel. Um, Our main character is named Jane, and she is training to be an attendant who is someone who is generally a black person who is trained to defeat what they're like zombies, but they call them shamblers. And she's trained to guard white women generally um, and defends this woman. And so the novel starts off when Jane is in her third year at Miss Preston's School of Combat, which is one of the most prestigious training schools where she is learning both the skills to kill shamblers as well as the etiquette she will need to fit in with higher society. Um, 
And although most people believe that the Shambler population is under control, Jane begins to suspect that not everything is as it seems. And eventually we discover that Miss Preston's school is somewhat of a cover for funneling girls into these like idealistic towns out west that are supposedly Shambler free. And Jane, because she has discovered too much information, um, is sent there against her will along with another girl at the academy named Catherine uh, to one of these towns called Summerland. And while she is there, she discovers that the Shamblers are also out of control out west, that these idealistic towns are not realistic, and there is no way that the town will be sustainable. And so then she's proven right when a large group of Shamblers attacks the town and people are forced to evacuate. Um, so let's talk about the way that this book is posed. Um, it begins with a series of letters from Jane to her mother, and then later you see the um, letters from her mother back to Jane. Uh, that you learn were being confiscated by the uh, teacher from the school. What did you think of that element of the story? I thought it was really interesting. I typically really enjoy in books when you either get like a different perspective on things that are happening, like a falsified perspective, which is kind of what happens because you see what Jane is writing about the school, and then but you know what is actually happening, and what she's telling her mom is happening is definitely an idealistic version of it and I also think it's sort of interesting how you get like a different layer of the story because eventually you find out what Jane's mother has been writing back to her that Jane has not been receiving um so you kind of get to see it from both sides and I generally really like that and I think it was really well done in this although I think that I much preferred when the letters switched to Jane's mother perspective versus when Jane was writing to her mother yeah, I noticed when Jane was writing to her mother, they were essentially idealized versions of what was actually happening in the chapter. Um, while it was, I thought it was really interesting to see Jane's mother's replies about how much she missed her, especially juxtaposed with Jane thinking her mother was either dead or just so angry with her for going off to be trained that she would not um, write to her. So what made you pick this book for our first podcast, babe? So, a couple of things. I had heard a lot about this book, and it sounded interesting to me, and I was trying to pick something that I thought you would enjoy as well, um, because while we do have some overlap in our tastes of books, I think generally the kind of YA books that I would choose are not necessarily the kind of books that you would enjoy. But I also think uh, young adult fiction in general gets kind of a bad rap as being really like shallow and not very well done, and just kind of like diluted versions of adult fiction for people who can't handle like the more contemporary literary fiction, and I just don't think that's true. What defines a young adult novel is generally the age of the protagonist. Obviously, there's exceptions to this, but um, generally, if the book is about a teen person, it's going to be categorized as a young adult book, and I just wanted to kind of show that young adult has a much greater spread, a much greater, I'm trying to think of the word that I'm... It can be more than just what people think of when they think young adults books. Right, just... it can be a lot more diverse. That's what I was trying to say. It doesn't have to be like these sappy romances or Twilight, you know, like there's quality young adult fiction out there. And I think Dread Nation is a great example of something that has a little bit more depth and meaning to it. Yeah. So what did you think of the book as a whole? I liked it. Um, It's probably not necessarily, I don't know if I would have picked this book up when I did, but it was definitely like on my radar. Um, I typically do prefer more contemporary books, but as far as historical dystopian fiction goes, I, I really enjoyed this. I thought 
was a good book. I was engaged in it. I actually listened to the audiobook, which was narrated by, I'm probably going to butcher this, Bonnie Turbin. It's spelled B-A-H-N-I. Anyways, she narrated the audiobook, and it was one of the best audiobooks I've listened to this year. Um, she did a fantastic job of differentiating the voices and having like distinct characters for each person, and I would highly recommend the audiobook if that's your thing. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. What do you think? I really liked it. Um, at the beginning, I was a little nervous when it was set at the Preston School. Um, I was like, oh, this is going to be like a whole kind of school book. But a halfway where it turns into them heading out to Summerland and becoming kind of this like Wild West adventure a little bit. Um, I really liked that shift. There is that hint of romance between her and the um, doctor, mm -hmm. which I thought was an interesting thing. Um, and her developing the relationship with her friend of me, as you kind of put in our notes, Catherine, I thought was really interesting as well. Along with the idea of... Um, her kind of being jealous of Catherine, who's a little bit more lighter skinned than her, mm -hmm. and how she thinks that's a benefit and how Catherine doesn't use that. Um, I thought that was an interesting perspective. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think if we're going to talk about the lighter skinned Catherine, um, they talk repeatedly about how beautiful she is, but Catherine herself doesn't necessarily like that. She actually sees it as a detriment. Um, because she can't get hired on as an attendant because nobody wants someone in their household who's that pretty. And also she feels like if she were to act as a white woman, which she could totally pass by and she does for some of the novel, um, she would be like betraying her own people. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective because I remember a couple years ago I was reading um, a book about Oprah and how she or one of her sisters had like lighter skin and Oprah was really jealous of her lighter skin sister because that was like seemed as like a better quality to have and I just thought it was really interesting to see sort of from the perspective of someone who is lighter skinned or a character who's lighter skinned and how um that kind of plays off especially back in the Civil War era. Yeah no I think um the book really does some interesting things when discussing race um including uh just how the you know racism in the south is viewed and how things kind of don't really super change in this book although there is freedom for african-americans they essentially funnel them and native american people into these schools to become protectors for the white people and when she's in um in the start of the book when they're in like boston and baltimore you really just see how the people there are just kind of like well those people the my the uh, people who are non-white are just there to serve the white people. Sure, yeah. And I think that's really interesting because technically in this book, slavery has ended. There aren't slaves anymore. They are paid. But um, I think very re true to the times, not as an alternate history, um, there are still methods of, like, not slavery used. You know, like, black people do not have all the options available to them. Jane talks repeatedly about how being an attendant is her best option. She doesn't really want to do it, but it is her best option. Um, and I just thought that was really interesting too, just to see the different ways that they, that they were still controlled and manipulated and held back and separated from the general society. Well, and parts of this book are based on uh, true events where uh, Native Americans were essentially funneled into these school systems mm -hmm. that were designed to uh, make them more American and break the Native American traditions and values that they had and just turn them into what the um, white people wanted them to be. Um, she talks about that at the end of her book, how 
she had did some research. Justine Ireland talks about how she had did research, and there are a couple books in at the end to read if you're interested in those topics. Well, that's really interesting. I didn't even see that because I listened to the audiobook. I'll have to check some of those out. Uh, anything else you want to talk about for this book? Um, I just I did want to mention that Blake had said that he really liked the book when it made the shift like to out west and I much preferred the beginning part when they were talking about like being at the school and stuff like that I didn't necessarily appreciate the transition as much as Blake seems to and I just thought that was really interesting I would have been totally happy to read an entire book about Jane's training at Miss Preston's Academy but I still thought it was a good book yeah I really thought it was good so out of five stars what would you give it I think I gave it four stars not anything wrong with the book per se um just not generally the kind of story that I would enjoy. I thought it was really well done. Um, had it been done less well, I might have even given it a two stars just based on like the summary. But I really did enjoy it, and I thought the audiobook was just fantastic, and I would highly recommend it. How about you? I give it four stars as well. I thought this was a really good, um, you know, because zombies right now are kind of the hit thing in the horror world. Um, I thought it was a really well done horror book. I thought it was a really well done zombie book that was really interesting. I thought it was a really great alternative history book. Um, if you have like a young person in your life who likes The Walking Dead or um, that you know, zombie stuff, this is something you could get them, and I mm -hmm. think that they would really enjoy. And I did just want to mention as well, um, I really appreciate that this book is a young adult book with a black bisexual main character. Like We talked about how she has kind of a romance with the, the doctor, but they do talk about how she's had like a romance with one of the other girls at the school too and I just really appreciated the diversity in that it's not something that you see as often in young adult fiction I think that's definitely changing but I did appreciate this representation yeah and I I believe this is going to be the first book in a series it kind of ends on a soon-to-be series so I look forward to reading more from Justina Ireland I did look it up um, and as of this recording the book does not yet have a release date or a name but it is definitely part of a series so we can look forward to reading the sequel hopefully maybe next year awesome well that brings us to kind of this last part of the podcast where we're going to talk about bookish slings and as we record right now it's December 30th 2018 uh, it's the end of the year and tomorrow is the last day of the mm -hmm. year Shelby what were three of your favorite books from this year okay so I thought really hard about this because I read over 130 books this year but um my top three are this year I discovered thanks to the movie Love Simon I discovered Becky Albertalli and I'm kind of cheating because this is actually two books, but they're both my favorite, and so you can't tell me that I'm wrong. Um, but Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda and The Upside of Unrequited were just wonderful. They literally made me squeal out loud. They were so cute. They were full of Harry Potter references, which I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, so that like totally added to that. Um, in one of the books, I think The Upside of Unrequited, uh, the love interest takes his cat for walks, and I loved that. I just found them super sweet and relatable, and I can't recommend them enough. I loved those. So that, again, that's The Upside of Unrequited and Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli. Um, my second one is the fourth book in the Cormoran Strike series by Robert Gilbraith, aka J.K. Rowling, um, and that was Lethal White, and I just thought this fourth installation was incredible. It was it added so much. I love the story that we're getting and how the characters are developing. Um, I can't wait to read more. It kind of came out, I found out like in July that it was coming out in September, so I didn't have to wait very long, and I 
plowed through that 600 page book in like a day. I stayed up until like three o'clock in the morning trying to finish it. And it was wonderful. And then my final, um, my favorite book of the year was Seven Days of Us by Francesca Hornick. Am I saying that right? Um, I recently read this. I read it for Tis the Season-a-thon. Um, and it's basically about a family and their daughter is like a doctor and she's been in Africa helping with like this epidemic and she is going to come home for Christmas, but they all need to be quarantined. And it's been a while since they've all been together and each family member is kind of dealing with like some pretty major stressor in their life. And so it's just about like a family who's trapped together and what they go through. And I thought it was like a super, like all the characters were super realistic, at least for my own experience. And it had like some really sweet moments and I resolution and I just loved it. It's going to be, it's for sure one of my new favorite books. I'm going to be rereading that one probably every year. And yeah, I just that, loved it. That's on my reading list now because you raved about it so much. Oh my much. gosh, it was my favorite. Awesome. All right, what are your top three books of 2018? Okay, so the first one is one that we both read and one that we're going to talk about in a future podcast, uh, which is Illuminate by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff, which is a science fiction book told from dueling perspectives of uh, a boy and a girl who live out on this like outer rim planet. It's in the future, and we're on a bunch of different planets, and it's attacked by this mining corporation. These people escape, um, and then things just go off the rails from there. I don't want to ruin it yet, but it's no. so good. I That one was very close to being in my top three. It's it's a crazy ride, and if you like really sciencey science fiction, which I tend to enjoy, um, I would definitely recommend that. My second book, um, I actually read this one before Illuminate. This was a really nice week for me because I had back-to-back five-star books. Uh, it's Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo. It's part of a duology. I've read both. Um, and I really love, it's this heist book set in this fantasy world that she's written about. Um, and there are all these, it's kind of like a Game of Thrones book where you switch characters mm-hmm. and get a lot of different perspectives and feelings, but it's so good and I love it so much. And I just, I cannot, if you like fancy, if you're not a big fancy book fan, I think you will still enjoy Six of Crows because it's more of a heist book than like a full fantasy novel. And then my final pick for the year, I think, is going to have to be Bear Town by Frederick Bachman. Mm. Uh, your parents ranted and raved about this book, and then you read it and you said it was really good. And I read it and I loved it. I'm a big sports person, um, but Bear Town is about so much more than sports. It's about, um, I mean, winning in life and like doing the right thing and just the consequences of your actions. It's so good. I cannot recommend it enough to people. I did really like Bear Town, and I don't think that you need to be a sports fan to get enjoyment from this. Um, it's, yeah, it's just a great, it's a great book, and I would really recommend that one as well. Yeah, so those were my top three. Um, I did not read as many books as Shelby. She had 130. I only did a, a petty 90. Ugh, um, Blake, I'm so disappointed. But, so... Our reading, I mean, your reading challenge for this year was 100, mine was 50. Mm-hmm. We both blew past those. So what? how many books do you want to read next year? Um, I think I'm going to keep my book goal at 100 books for the year. Um, I know I blew past that this year, but I just feel like that's a really like easily maintainable goal for me just with my schedule and my life. And I listen to a lot of audiobooks too. So um, I don't think I want to set it too much higher because I don't want to feel pressured 
to read it. I've always set my goal at something that I think I can achieve. I don't try to like push myself to read more. I already enjoy reading. I don't want it to feel like a chore. Um, so that's my main goal. My secondary goals, um, I really want to read more nonfiction this year. There's a lot of great nonfiction books out there um, that I, just, I don't get around to, and I really want to change that this year. I want to make that a priority and read at least a couple a month. Um, I don't have like a firm goal for this, but I have ideas for what I'd like to read, and I'm just going to really make an effort to actually get to those ones. Um, I'm also going to be completing, hopefully, a couple of um, book challenges. I really want to do Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge, which is basically just like 24 prompts of like types of books that you should read, that you, they want you to read, and you can double up on them or whatever, so it doesn't even have to be 24 books. But um, that one seems really doable and realistic for me, and I tried to complete the Pop Sugar Reading Challenge this past year, um, but that was like 40-some prompts. It was just way too much, and I was stressed about it, so I think 24 is doable. Um, and I'm also going to try to do the Reading Glasses Challenge. For those of you who don't know, Reading Glasses is a podcast. It's fantastic. It's my favorite podcast. I listen to it every week, um, so you should go check it out because they also talk about books and just not like specific books, just like books and book culture. It's wonderful. Anyways, they have their own reading challenges uh, this year, and it's like, I think, five book prompts and then five activities that you should try to do. And a lot of those align with the Book Riot ones, so I think I can very easily do both, and I'm really excited about that. What about you, Blake? So I'm going to try to read 100 books next year. Um, I'm going to double Ooh. my score. I got close this year, but I think if I really tried, uh, I could do it. Um, I'm also, I have a YouTube channel uh, for BookTube, which is the bookish community on YouTube that I started last year that I'd like to get back into and try to post more. Um, but I'm also going to complete the Read Harder Challenge for 2019 with you from Book Riot. And I'm also going to do the, um, why am I, Reading Glasses Book Challenge. I, I forgot the name and you just said it. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do that challenge as well with you and just my goal is to read a lot more diverse authors especially mm. when it comes to sci-fi and fantasy um I think there's a lot of great stuff out there and I want to find more more of it yeah that's a great goal awesome so that brings us to the end of the podcast where we're going to tell you about what book we're doing for February so on February 1st we will be releasing a new episode and I got to pick the book for this month and I went with a book called What If It's Us by Becky Albertalli and Adam Silvera. It is a contemporary romance, and I was like, you know what? It's Valentine's Day. We, we need to have something romantic. It's a male-male romance, though, right? Yep, it okay. is a male-male, and it is... I've already read it. Shelby has to get around to it, but I think it's going to spar... It's going to create some really good discussion. I'm nervous to read it because I just ranted and raved about Becky Albertalli in it. Now I'm scared to read anything else by her because I don't want to be let down. Yeah, I you know I know some of the book reviewers that we watch on YouTube were not. I mean, they didn't say it's bad, but it's not. Just not as good as the other stuff. But I think, well, you guys will all find out on February first. <laughs> um, so this is it for Married with Books. You can find us on Instagram at Married with Books Pod, and you can email us at Married with Books at gmail.com. I'm Blake. And I'm Shelby. And we will talk to you all in February.